Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, Packers fans, and welcome to an NFC North champion edition of the I Love Gold podcast. I am your host, Chris Burke, who normally is joined alongside Tyler Brooke, but he is driving to Florida uh, for the holidays. So he is being replaced not by one, not by two, but three of my Acme Packing Company cohorts. Uh, We are joined, of course, first off by the head cheese, Tex Western. Um, Tex, how are you? I'm good. Uh, yeah, it definitely takes a team effort to replace uh, a Tyler's contributions. I had the good fortune of getting to meet him in person last week for the first time. So Tyler's good people and uh, happy to be filling in for him a little bit here. And then we also have Paul Noonan, uh, also one of the co-hosts of the Reporting is Eligible podcast on the feed. Paul, how are you doing? Hi, Chris. I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, fantastic. It's uh, actually about 25 degrees here in Wisconsin right now, so it's almost tropical vacation weather. Lovely. Um, <laughs> and then we are also joined by Lindsay Hansen, our social media uh, manager. Lindsay, how are you on this lovely, uh, we're recording on Monday, it'll be on Tuesday. Hi guys, I'm good. We are NFC champions, so I am fantastic. So yeah, let's get right into that. Um, For the third straight year under Matt LaFleur, three years, three NFC North Division championships. um, Pretty remarkable, (laughs) pretty remarkable feat. First coach, I believe that's done that. Um, Packers clinching the division, of course, on a 31 to 30 barn burning win uh, against the Baltimore Ravens. But just as a whole, it was a weird ending to that game. But just, you know, to kick off our discussion here, the the whole week was kind of drunk. Um, we had, you know, the weirdness starting on Thursday against Kansas with Kansas city and the chargers. And then uh, the big upset of the day, uh, Detroit, not only beat the Arizona Cardinals, they beat them pretty handily. Yeah, that was a shocker. Um, I, I think that's got to go down so far this year as the biggest upset of the season. Um, I don't think it's particularly close either. Yeah. I think that's gotta be it. Um, I, like on one hand, I kind of get it because Kyler Murray definitely doesn't look right there. But the other, the big thing there is Arizona's defense has been good all year. Uh, it's actually carried the Cardinals for most of the year, even though they don't get the same amount of headlines. And giving up that number of points to Detroit is is just insane. Like there's no excuse or reason that that should happen. <laughs> and, um, it, it takes a lot of injuries and bad luck for to get blown out by the Lions, and it's uh it's completely crazy that it happened. But hey, we'll take it. Yeah, it's that- so. It's so very true. I, I was driving down to uh, watch the game with my sister, Wendy. And um, when I when I got there, I found out that they actually did it. And I just, I was in complete disbelief. I was like, there's, what parallel universe are we living in right now? This is wild. So that obviously, you know, played, had huge implications for the number one seat for the Packers, but even more so last night, and quite possibly the ugliest game I've seen all year. Uh, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers lose to Taysom Hill and the Saints by a score yeah. of nine to nothing. So uh, number one seed for the Packers looking pretty good right now. It, it is. I, I think 
the scary thing now is that based on the way the tiebreakers break out, it's Dallas that we have yeah. actually have to worry about. Uh, Dallas has the best conference record of any of these teams with, with three or four losses. They've only lost one game within the NFC. So practically speaking, the Packers cannot just sit back and, and lose a game unless Dallas drops one as well, because uh, Dallas is going to have that tiebreaker. So I, 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 I'm not afraid of going to Jerry world. Obviously Aaron Rodgers has owned Jerry world uh, for his entire career, but um, with all the craziness of, of COVID and injuries and everything, you obviously want to get that top seed and get that extra bye week uh, which takes on added importance. I think this year. Yeah. And Dallas's schedule is not easy by any stretch, but it's not particularly challenging either. The hardest game they have left is actually Arizona, yep. which um, and who knows what that's going to be. At this point. <laughs> um, but Philadelphia is very flawed. Washington can jump up and get you once in a while, but, but they have their own injury problems. And I do think this is a more complete Dallas team than we usually see out of Jerry world because mm -hmm. their defense is often a problem. And that is not the case this year. They're kind of like Arizona, they have an offense that gets a lot of headlines, but the Dallas defense is, is quite good and does kind of carry that team too. Yeah. Dan Quinn has done a phenomenal job with that defense. Yep. Um, McCarthy actually got himself a good defensive coordinator. Um, so that, you know, that's, that's played a huge, huge role. And I think Dan Quinn probably might be in the front running front runner position for assistant coach of the year. You know, that, that that's to be determined, but let's get to the Packer game here. So obviously number one, they're now number one seed in the NFC um, with, with some breathing room now, uh, but back to that game against Baltimore, Paul, I'm going to leave you the floor here, obviously for <laughs> um, Tyler Huntley, who Paul, if you've been reading APC for any amount of time, Paul has had a draft crush on Tyler Huntley. He got his chance to play against the Packers and uh, Paul, I guess, first thing, do we need to put an NC 17 rating on this podcast? No, no, absolutely not. Okay. I don't get crushes on people. I, I get informed uh, opinions on people. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, for for those who haven't read my stuff or, or heard my, my Tyler Huntley thing, um, I, I run my own statistic to kind of pick out quarterbacks in, in college who may be good NFL quarterbacks someday. And it tends to do a really good job um, identifying both the guys who you know will be drafted. Like it gives like it gave you know, like Trevor Lawrence got a good grade in it. It works fine. Um, but it does tend to do a good job at picking out the guys who go lower down and still carve out good careers. Um, it picked out Russell Wilson when nobody else um, like Jimmy would fall the third round. He's obviously had a great career, but it also picked out Case Keenum that year um, out of 167 eligible quarterbacks. And Case Keenum is not a great quarterback, but he's a pretty good quarterback. So um, in Tyler Huntley's year in senior year in college, it screamed that he would, was actually a very good quarterback. And the reason for that is that Tyler Huntley was very good at completing passes downfield um, and very, 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 very accurately. The one thing we kind of know you can't really teach quarterbacks on the professional level is accuracy. It's really hard to improve a quarterback's accuracy, Josh Allen notwithstanding. Um, Tyler Huntley had that skill. Uh, obviously, you, just guys, you guys just watched him play. He's obviously very physically talented. He's very fast. He's a good runner. Um, and that combined with uh, that accuracy that he just has sort of naturally and worked on in college made him not a can't-miss prospect, but a guy that should have been at least drafted. Not only was he not drafted, he didn't get invited to the Combine. He didn't Crazy. Get Ludicrous. Didn't get invited to the Senior Bowl um, and uh, was an unknown to everybody except stat nerds, who, who to the, by the way, to their credit, a lot of them did start to pick up on that uh, via completion percentage over expected, which is a great stat also for evaluating college talent, but not publicly available. So um, nerds behind the scenes knew he was good. And 
Um, the Ravens are one of the best organizations in football, if not the best organization in football, just in terms of how they run things. Uh, it's a good place for him to land, and not surprising he landed there, and you kind of saw the culmination of um, their development of Tyler Huntley uh, in the game. Yeah, he's he's good. So <laughs> I, I'm taking a victory lap. I've been um, I've been speaking his praises for ages now, and uh, I'll, I'm I'm happy to have hit on this one. This, this has got to be Paul's best case scenario, right? The Packers still totally. win the game, and Tyler Huntley looks great. Literally, what I, literally what I was yeah. trying for the whole game. Is I kind of want to middle this, and I'll feel bad if I if I'm wrong either way. But uh, it it worked out just perfectly. So. Yep. So the you know the thing with Huntley now is with Lamar Jackson obviously entrenched in Baltimore. He Huntley's probably going to end up somewhere. They're going to get offers for him. Um, Paul, where do you think he would where do you think he would fit in? Um, he would be good actually in any Shanahan Lafleur type system. Yeah. And so the 49ers are always going to be looking for quarterback talent because they're never happy with anybody they have. Um, I do think Denver will probably take a close look at him as well. Um, and I do hope he goes somewhere that knows how to utilize mobility. Um, that, that, like it would be a shame if he went to like the bears who um, have a, a guy with a similar skill set and just don't know how to use him properly. And there's a lot of teams like that out there. Um, you know, the Baltimore's offense is weird. They're kind of the only team that runs it, but there are a few analogous things, um, but he's got to go somewhere that runs at least a somewhat creative offense. Um, and I think those are the, the places to keep an eye on is uh, any Shanny disciple and uh, Denver's going to have a need at quarterback, I think pretty quick. If they don't land Aaron, I think Tyler Huntley is a good second choice. Well, absolutely. And, you know, we'll, we'll get more into Tyler Huntley as we talk about the defensive game plan uh, that the Packers had uh, yesterday, but let's start, you know, let's take a look at the offense. Um, Obviously the big question mark, the offense started a little sluggish yesterday, struggled very much on early downs. You know, why did they start running? You know, they, the Baltimore defense, the secondary was just depleted. I mean, they were playing guys signed off the street days earlier. Uh, what was with the, what do we think was the issue with running so much on first and second down? Cause the Packers were, you know, as we'll discuss, not very efficient uh, on those early downs. Yeah, I have a theory that Matt LaFleur with his scripted plays early in the game likes to try to feel out what the other team is doing defensively. Um, almost that he uses that first series or two just as information gathering to try to set up uh, his play calling for later on in the game to set up the adjustments he's going to make based on the way that, uh, that he sees the defense come out and start to play. And that's all well and good, but you know exactly what the strength and weakness of this defense was going to be. Um, I think it was a, a poor decision to have Aaron Rodgers, who was had not practiced all week, uh, make his first pass attempt on a third down um, and, and have that be part of the game script uh, when when it's a make or break you know, play to, to sustain the drive. I think that was a mistake. Um, and you, know, you, you start looking at the, the EPA and it's ugly when they ran the ball on first and second down. Um, they basically were, were neutral um, in terms of adding value to the, to the team when running the ball as a poor, as opposed to adding half a point per play when they pass the ball on first and second down. Yeah. They just got too cute there. Uh, Baltimore begs you to pass against them entering the game. They were fourth in DVOA against the run running against them is always pointless. And they were 26th against the pass. There are a lot of healthy Baltimore defensive starts in that statistic. Um, the fact that they were down so many corners, in addition to being so good against, like, this is the defense you don't want. Like, you have a defense that's incentivizing an all-time great passer to throw against you, and the Packers just didn't didn't feed into it. They were a little too cute there. 
in uh, whatever, trying to establish the run, trying to get people, um, to, trying to get the defense to go heavy. What too much scripting? I don't know what, but um, at least they didn't stick with it. You know, they didn't bury themselves with a stupid game plan. I've seen Mike McCarthy do that many times in the past, and I'm glad at least at least Matt does switch to the to to the gut them philosophy as soon as he does figure it out. Yeah, and I I almost I mean it seems to be our mo this year. Um, we haven't we haven't really had strong starts to any of our games this year, and and we do take like it's almost like we take a, a little bit to to warm up, and once we're warmed up, we're good. But it's a uh, it's a little jarring and scary at times when you're playing you know defense like uh, like the Ravens. So. Well, and this is what the ninth game that they have not scored in the first quarter, which is a, a little yeah. shocking a little given alarming. Yeah, it's it's crazy. But I mean, you know, they, they were very good last year scoring early. I mean, we're talking to span over two years, but I mean, is this a little more to borrow a to borrow a term? Is this a little more of a regression to the mean, so to speak? I mean, it, it just seems really weird that they were so hot at it last year. And then this year, it's like the switch doesn't get flipped until the second quarter. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's worked. But just in terms of how they've gone about it just it, it kind of makes you scratch the head a little bit you know same personnel you know i don't know what the change uh what brought that on but that was uh definitely uh kind of a head scratcher but they did get it going and a big part of that game plan was uh marquez valdez scantling big game for him um you know with Devontae adams facing double and even triple coverage at times seems like mvs's value in terms of not just you know play playing in the offense but dollar value on a future contract seems to be uh, increasing by the game here. Eh, I don't know about that. <laughs> so MVS had a good game, as did Alan Lazard in this game. Basically, every Packer pass catcher had a good game in this game. And a lot of that, I think, you can attribute to the, the Ravens just not being able to cover anybody by virtue of their personnel. So it was a good, definitely a good MVS game. Like, he hasn't had a game this efficient all season in terms of catching his targets. Um, He's he put up a good deep passing threat. But uh, I think if you actually scout how he played in this game, he still didn't create much separation, especially on non-deep balls. And like for a guy his speed, his route running just still isn't very good, nor are his hands. So um, if MVS gets a big contract, I mean, God bless him and more power to him. But I think he's going to be eminently keepable and reasonably cheap. Um, And I don't think he's going to be that coveted. I I frankly don't think he's that good. So I think that's the the uh, the major opinion about him with teams. So. I I think the one of the big things in that game was his biggest play. I think it was a thirty yarder on I, I can't remember if it was a third down or a second long or something. Was Aaron Rodgers throwing him open that that ridiculous throw over the middle um, <laughs> with with you know see, see the see the nameplate of the linebacker that no or, other or the safety would have even thrown exactly um, no, and, no. and he puts it on on a dime right between a couple of defenders uh, and and right in in MVS's hands um, he made a really nice play stretching out for the end zone um, yeah. he, I liked his. Uh, it was a Twitter and Instagram post he had comparing himself to Michael Jordan and space jam at the end of the, <laughs> at the end of the movie. Yeah, um, yeah. So that, that was pretty good. Check that out. But um, no, a good, a good game, a, a solid, you know, all around productive performance. Um, he caught five of seven targets, which for MVS is pretty darn good. Yep. Um, knowing that, you know, he's, he's so often uses a deep threat and his catch rate is rarely above 50%. So um, nice game. Um, I don't know. You know, he, he does so much to open up the offense just with his speed and that deep threat. Um, 
but again, you could you can get that in a lot of different guys. They just don't have that that guy in another spot on the roster right now. But you can find that you know that player with a second day draft pick. You can find that player on the open market, I think, or you can just resign MVS and you know hopefully not have it on a on a huge deal. Well, yeah, that's kind of more where I was kind of aiming. You know, I, obviously the Packers aren't going to back up the truck for him because they're going to want to sign Devon, resign Devontae Adams, but. You know, is, has he put enough on tape, you know, to when I was going to ask him, but I guess you guys kind of already answered is, has he put enough on tape that some team is going to foolishly overpay him? You know, that's kind of where I've been looking at. Like if somebody throws money in front of him, he'd be stupid not to take it. But do we think, you know, going forward, you know, MVS that if he continues to have good games good down the road, I could see some team doing that, but it won't be the Packers. So there's always a chance that some dumb teams can overpay any given player. The problem for MVS is he doesn't put up good stats in a lot of the full use stats either. Um, the only thing he really dominates uh, compared to other guys is yards per completion where he's always like 17 plus, which is great. Um, but he compared to other deep threats, like very easy math wise, he, he catches fewer passes than he should. And teams are going to ding him for having Aaron as his quarterback and still having a low completion percentage um, to him. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, if he like, if he blows up the, for the last few games of the season, scores like a cut, like two touchdowns a game, maybe you get some idiot to overpay him, but he's got to put some kind of counting stats up there because he doesn't have advanced stats and his tape's not good. He, like he does not get himself open. Like he should with that speed. So uh, it's, it's hard to see a team getting fooled by him. There's just not that much there to fool dumb teams. Yeah, you know, I, I, that's that's probably fair. I just I keep thinking, you know, that there's always that one team that does it, but with you know the cap constraints, you know, that's the, the other league. factor this year. Yeah, yeah is yeah. is the yeah. cap is staying relatively flat for 2022? Uh, 208 million, I think, is where they're keeping it. Um, if he were cashing in, say in 23, um, this this could actually be a year where maybe his best bet is to sign a one year deal and then come up with a new contract again in 23 when there's a whole bunch more money flying around with the TV contracts that might actually be in his best interest. Yeah. We saw a lot of yeah. that this year and we're going to see it probably one more year with a flat yep. cap, like you said. So uh, moving on in the offensive part of the field, some history was made uh, yesterday in Baltimore, Aaron Rodgers tied Brett Favre's team touchdown pass uh, passing touchdown record 442 thought they were going to get it at the end, you know, to put the game away. Didn't quite happen. Probably going to, might be cooler that it's going to happen at Lambeau more than likely against Cleveland on Saturday. Yeah. But uh, yeah, pretty, you know, a solid day for Rodgers, 23, 31, 268 yards, three touchdowns and an 8.6 YPA. So uh, thoughts on Rodgers' performance yesterday. Yeah, I am. Um, I just want to jump in and uh, I don't know if you guys saw on Twitter, but um, Brett Favre um, retweeted the Packers like stat with his picture of uh, tying him. And he was just like, like, you know, good job. Keep it going. Um, so I appreciated that. And I, I just, I mean, there is no denying <laughs> how lucky we are as Packers fans to bear witness to not just one, but two of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. And I put that on Twitter today, but I just, it's really, uh, it's really something, uh, that not a lot of fans get of, um, of other teams. And so, um, I mean, I'm always impressed with him. You can't not be impressed by a legend. You know what I mean? Yeah. hundred percent. Um, and the legend is the reason that they won and the reason they've been winning a lot lately. 
Yeah. Um, it, it, we we go through this thing every week where uh, all the special teams were catastrophically bad. Well, Aaron was there, so that was fine. <laughs> or uh, the defense has, you know, uh, we're, I think we'll rip the defense a little bit this week more than usual. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the reasons that a lot of advanced stats haven't liked the defense this year is because they ha- they do tend to give up a big player to every game. They did last week against the Bears. Um, and it doesn't matter because Aaron basically in the second half of games, they score every time <laughs> and um, usually for the second half of the first half too. Um, and that's what you get with him is that floor that just lets you be competitive. It's why quarterback's the most important position. And when you have him, uh, it just makes a lot of other problems disappear. Uh, they are extremely lucky to have him. And uh, yeah. it's very challenging if you don't, um, as we've seen through the rest of the NFC North basically forever. Absolutely. One of the things, the, the things that I thought was crazy is Rogers numbers, his advanced numbers were off the charts yesterday. Yeah. Um, his CPOE was like plus 14%. Um, his EPA per play was almost, you know, six tenths of a, a point per play. And yet it felt to me in the game, like he kept leaving a couple of plays out there. The one to Devante on that first series that he missed mm-hmm. should have been an 87 mm-hmm. yard touchdown. The the wide open uh, shot to Lazard in the end zone should have been a touchdown that should have made it a 17 point game instead of a 14 point game. Mm-hmm. And then you're looking at maybe this is a, you know, maybe this is a 10 point win instead of a nail biting one point missed two point two point conversion win. Um, so he he left plays out there that could have made it a less you know competitive game down down the stretch, but at the same time all of his numbers were still tremendous. His passer rating was above 130 um, and, and all the advanced stats back it up too. So yeah. we've, I think we've just come to expect such constant greatness from his arm that even when there are a couple of plays that where he looks mortal, you know, then he's got that throw to MVS that, that he fits into a, a bread box. Uh, and we just are, are spoiled by how good he has been, how accurate he has been for so long. Yeah, and then the other thing yesterday, the other thing yesterday too that really, you know, with everybody saw that, you know, Tom Brady destroyed a $1,000 tablet. So it tells you what type of day he had yesterday. But Aaron Rodgers is probably now the odds on favorite for a fourth MVP back to back. Obviously, a few games left, but um, are we liking the MVP chances? It's neck and neck right now. At least uh, Vegas had coming into this week, Brady was still a clear favorite. And now it is basically even between those two. And, and I, I agree. Oh, it I is, think it's, it is. Yeah, you're right. It is a dead heat. Excuse yeah, me. That was it's a, a it's slight, basically slightly towards Rogers. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's basically a two man race at this point. And I do think whichever uh, whichever team ends up in the one seed, um, as long as they do so because of their quarterback, that guy's probably going to win it. Yep. So yeah, yeah, it's um, that's probably how it's going to end up coming down to. It's going to be team wins on that one for for that award. Absolutely. Um, switching gears a little bit now, let's turn towards the Green Bay defense. Uh, Mark Andrews yesterday was unstoppable. Um, Darnell Savage had probably a career bad day um, at the office. Uh, and what did Joe Barry decide? You know to do? They got to put somebody else on Andrews. Out comes uh, Kevin. Am I reading that right? Kevin King. Uh, could somebody explain that one to me, please? Because I sure can't. Uh, tight ends aren't fast, and Kevin King's not fast, and tight ends are tall, and Kevin King is tall. Um, but that's kind of where the comparison ends. Yeah. Got to try. Got to try something. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, clearly, the uh, the previous game plan was not working at all. Um, <sighs> both of those touchdowns. Uh, I think the first one, I still didn't see a clear replay, but it it seemed like there was a pretty pretty blatant push off from what everybody was saying. 
Um, did it, any of you guys catch that on that first Andrew score? There was. Um, yeah. However, the, the King reaction, I think, is a misreading of the way the game was being officiated. Uh, to stop Andrews, the, the problem Savage had is he's just way smaller and yeah. he was getting pushed around. Um, what they needed to respond with was somebody who could play physically with Andrews, which, you know, you can't do a linebacker. That's too slow. But um, like Adrian Amos would probably have been the natural go to there, yeah. someone who can out physical and still run with him. Uh, not Kevin King, who is not a physical corner, even though he is kind of big and would have and, and did just get pushed around um, just like Savage did. Well, it, more comically, um, more floppy puppety, I guess. I don't know. Um, but yeah, not the answer. Don't do that. It's a problem <laughs> for the it's a problem for the Packers they've had all year, though. They're not good at yeah. tight ends and they're not good at good tight ends, especially. And that's going to be a problem in the next couple of weeks, probably in the postseason too. Yeah. It gives me such anxiety, guys. <laughs> such anxiety. Yep. There's not a lot of good tight ends out there, but when they when you do run into them, they're especially problematic for this team. And uh, the you know the, the big bads out there for the Packers, like the Buccaneers and the 49ers, have some of the best tight ends. So it's it's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the um, the Gronk um, Kittle combination really does um, scare me a little bit more now um, with the tight end with the tight end situation there. But I mean, Mark Andrews is pretty pretty tough to to duplicate. So, um, are we concerned at all now about the point output? You know that it's been back to back thirty point performances. Does that concern anybody? Not really. Uh, the, the bare 30 point performance was almost entirely on the special teams. Yeah. Um, you know, outside of one big play, the defense played really well in that game um, and put six points on the board in addition to everything. So I, I would not look at the score very much. Um, and aside from that, uh, Baltimore's offense is so unique. You don't really have to deal with, you can't learn anything from it if you're another team. Uh, it's not really copyable and you're not going to run into it again. I mean, unless Baltimore, who is currently out of the playoffs, makes it to the Super Bowl, you don't have to worry about this again. So um, they're hard to deal with. They are against type. Um, you have to be a little more disciplined, especially in the run game, uh, which we saw Rashawn Gary uh, not to do and be capitalized on a few times in this game. But most teams aren't going to be able to replicate this. So not a big deal. This is totally an outlier and not a reason to be super concerned about the defense. Well, and I think we saw Kenny Clark's absence, you know, can maybe hit home a little bit here too. Yeah. Um, He'll be, he'll be back, should be back this coming week. So I think that definitely uh, laid off, um, that definitely hurt. You know, the Jack Heflin being uh, inactive was kind of a question mark as well. But Someday, we'll, maybe we'll get an explanation on why he doesn't see the field. Um, but yeah, Justice and I talked about it last night that it, it, it's still just maddening. As, guys that, as a guy that both of us have been big fans of uh, since the offseason, and I thought he played pretty damn well in the preseason the fact that he can't see the field at all and and gets jumped over on the active game day roster for a guy from the practice squad uh really makes you scratch your head yeah if you're that bad um in the background with the coaching staff that you don't get elevated in this situation they should move on from you and if you aren't that bad you should be elevated but this situation should not continue yeah, I I would would tend to agree with that. Um, so really, kind of just one of those one of those days for the defense. But let's get into everybody else's favorite topic of special teams. Um, another pretty rough day at the office. Uh, no touchdown given up, but the full pause continue. Um, the onside kick, you know, to win the game. I think ever all of us were probably sweating 
profusely. Um, thank you, AJ Dillon, for having solid hands. Um, Tyler and I have gone off regularly on this episode on our podcast about special teams. I mean, I'm at this point thinking, you know, firing your coach midseason usually doesn't work. But I mean, would sacrificing Mo Drayton to the football gods appease them? Is that maybe where we're at? I mean, I would love to get some other inputs on uh, <laughs> where on where we can uh, on uh, how the Packers can improve their special teams. So. I thought it was interesting that they said all throughout the week that they were going to play a lot more starters on special teams this week. And then looking back at the snap counts, they really didn't. They only did on a couple of plays. Um, and it was two, there were two hands team plays late in the game yep. where they had most of those guys out there, but really the only you know pseudo starter who played more than two or three snaps on special teams was Russell Douglas. And he's played double digit special team snaps multiple times in the last two months anyway. So he's, he's already sort of been a, um, you know, splitting duty between defense and special teams anyways. So I don't, unless they're actually willing to commit to that, um, I don't know what more you can do if you're just going to stick with the same personnel because then you're you're kind of stuck with the same guys making the same mental mistakes. Yep. And by the way, just it is a misnomer that firing your coach midseason doesn't work. It actually, uh, over the history of people firing their coaches midseason, it does actually tend to work and kind of well. Uh, t- tends not to go into the next season, but it, part of it is just if you do fire your coach, you tend to get a better coach because that's why he got fired. Um, so even the guy who takes over interim is usually better. You're going to see it in Jacksonville. Um, and uh, so it's not a bad idea. We're a little late for it. Now is the only problem. They didn't do it soon yeah. enough. Um, but uh, it, still an atrocious day in all the like in ways where coaching matters, like just sloppiness and lack of lane discipline. This is not like, uh, a bunch of guys running out there and just getting like pancaked in blocking or anything like that. It's running into a returner um, and making bad decisions on returns and not tackling guys and allowing the Ravens to start at the 40 yard line over and over and over again. Um, these are all discipline problems and that goes back to coaching. So I don't know what they're waiting for. I, I, I know you don't want to necessarily make in season moves in a guy's first season, but yeah, these things should have improved by now. And, uh, not to go to baseball, but um, uh, the Brewers have shown us it's never too late to fire your coach. You can you can do it six games before the playoffs. Start that, that's allowed. You can do that. <laughs> yeah, very, I, yeah, very fair. Something. I mean, it's so obvious that something needs to change, and um, I I really have no words for how bad our special teams has been. I just, I, it's, (laughs) it is by, by and far our biggest pain point. And, um, I don't know what the answer is. I, besides firing him, I, I really, I really have no idea. Um, I mean, we're, it's just, it's awful. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. I look forward to seeing how far the gap between the Packers and the Chargers for last place and second to last place in special teams DVOA widens this week. Um, Coming into the week, the Packers were last at negative 6.7%. The Chargers were next to last at negative (laughs) 5.3%. That's, that's a big gap. And just to give you some, some background here, the gap between the 15th ranked team and the 21st ranked team is smaller than the gap between 31 and 32 right now um it's it's bad and it's bad everywhere and there's there's no 
personnel change that is going to turn that around at this point i don't think oh i mean at this point it's cross your fingers and toes that it doesn't come back to bite them in a playoff game yep um because this that this is the type of problem that could lose you a championship Um, and that's yeah that's exactly what's so terrifying about it i mean yeah because it's the 2010 chargers are i think the the bellwether for bad special teams um, of all time. They had a negative 10.2% DVOA. Uh, they didn't make the playoffs, so it didn't cost them any playoff games. Um, but they were, they're the greatest team ever to not make the playoffs. And it's just because their special teams was slightly worse than the current Packers special teams. So something worth keeping an eye on. Um, if you start to get into the, that level, it's historically bad. And I mean, they're making good progress. They, they got three games to catch <laughs> I, I look forward to seeing what new way they can find to screw this team over mm-hmm. next week because it's something new every week. I mean, this week the the Yadam kick catch interference thing—that's a new one. We hadn't seen that one yet this year before. Yep. That's true. I really think we need to start a bingo card or something because yeah. it's just you know it's, how many different ways are we? Uh, but you know the Mo Drayton, he wins the press conference every week. The players seem to love him, but it's a results business. So. Sorry, dude. And when you struggle as bad as they did last year under Meninga, promoting from within was a head scratcher to begin with. Um, so I'd be willing to bet he's going to be gone at the end of the year. And I think it's going to be an external hire. At least one would hope. But uh, yeah, so that'll that wraps up our game discussion. Uh, we'll take a short break here for some for some ads and um, we'll get back to our regular segments. All right, we are back and we are now going through our regular segments. So our podcast is called I Love Gold. So we like to have big discussion here on the uh, Gold zone, backslash red zone performance. Uh, offense, four of five. Uh, definitely been much better uh, from where they had been earlier in the season. Uh, that last, that fifth try, though, where they missed that touchdown to Lazard is really kind of almost what let Baltimore back. It is what let Baltimore get a chance to get back into the game. So uh, thoughts on the uh, gold zone performance for the offense? I mean, they were they did well. Uh, that's That's really all you can ask for. Yes, they missed one. It's always worth remembering, though, like most teams don't score every single time. <laughs> so four or five is always something you'll take every time. And they really have gotten better. Like their play calling makes way more sense now than it did yep. earlier in the year. With um, early in the year, so many like running plays on, on second and goal from the eights, which is a pointless waste of a play. Mm-hmm. Um, so much just standard passing. And now you get those creative Devonte Adams plays where he's just sprinting out, sort of the you know beat Jalen Ramsey play. Um, and you get AJ Dillon on, on from the two, which is like a guaranteed touchdown for the most part. Like this is all making a lot more sense earlier in the year. It does not have to be this hard. It, like Devonte Adams lives by scoring touchdowns within five yards of the goal line. That's what he's probably best at. It's why if he sticks around for another couple seasons, he might actually challenge Don Hudson's franchise record. Um, you don't need to be fooling around with stupid plays and they do too much but yeah uh, that's a good performance and we'll take that every time yeah i think it's it's notable too that maybe it's just the the aaron jones injury because they've loved to use him within the five yard line um over the years and, and he's been for a smaller back very very good near the goal line but we have been seeing more and more of aj Dillon down inside the two and three yard line he got another two yard touchdown in this game and it just it, it's it's a skill set. It's a body type that is exactly what you would expect would have success in the red zone, uh, specifically near the goal line on those one and two year, three yard plays. So it's nice to see them, um, 
even though they kind of pulled him from that one drive last week against Chicago and, and put Jones into the three and got him the touchdown. Uh, still nice to see him getting some, some carries inside the five uh, just because that um, you, you got to let the quads take over at some point. And um, <laughs> in this game, I mean, he didn't have a whole lot of opportunities because they weren't protecting a, a big lead in the fourth quarter and trying to run a whole bunch of clock down, or at least when they did, they had, you know, they went three and out on that, that one drive in the fourth quarter. So you didn't see a whole lot out of, out of Dylan, but uh, still nice to see him converting on, th- on short yardage. Yeah. You got, yeah. You got the ball and ball. You got to use them. Yep. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Quad father. I mean, he's, he's a beast and uh, to use him like that, it's, it's the, the way, the way it should be. So conversely, we then got to go to the defensive side of the ball, uh, Baltimore four of six um, on the red zone there. So, you know, the defense kind of took a step back, but you know, they, they, they ended up winning the game. You know, they got the, it obviously doesn't cover the red zone stop on that two point conversion, but uh, you know, what, what else can we say about that? You know, just kind of one of those, one of those games, you know, especially when you got, a tight end gashing you like Andrews was um, kind of to expect that kind of result. That and they really had a problem with Huntley's mobility around yep. the goal line too. Uh, mm-hmm. It was causing a lot of confusion with their personnel uh, and having to defend him in short yardage. It's one of the reasons they ended up with 10 men on, on the field for one of the scores. Um, and so not a great performance, but they are a tough guard when they're that close because of Andrews and because they're all, they always have a mobile quarterback who's a threat to take him in, which he did twice. And they, they, they got pretty lucky on that two-point conversion. Um, yeah, yeah. Darnell Savage did a great job getting over and getting a hand on that ball. Stokes did a good job. Um, but Huntley's big big problem on that play was actually committing to throw to Andrews too soon. Had he waited another half second, Hollywood Brown was going to be wide open in the back of the end zone. He had already sprung open and uh, just never got a look from his quarterback. So um, it, it, it worked out for them, but it wasn't the most well-defended play either. Could have, could have been a lot worse. <laughs> well, and as well, for as well defended as it was, if Huntley's ball placement is a little bit better, it's a little yeah. closer to the pylon, a little farther towards the sideline, it, it might not have mattered that Savage read the play well um, and that Stokes was was in pretty good position. He might have still been able to convert that yep. if, uh, if he's a little more accurate with the throw. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, you know, that's the, you know, with, did the Packers, you know, with struggling in the red zone a little bit, did they – do they prepare for the wrong quarterback here a little bit, you know, with, with Huntley there? I mean, were they thinking Lamar Jackson and not Huntley? I, I don't think it mattered though. Yeah. I mean, because Huntley is such a mobile guy, like, like Paul said, um, you can almost prepare for those two guys very similarly because of their similar skill sets, I think. Yeah. Um, like if I was coordinating their offense, I, I would change sort of the, the locations where I have guys target people down the field. But in terms of mobility in the basic offense, Huntley and Jackson run pretty much the same thing. And uh, it's not like you have to shift for some big slow doofus back there. That's not the case. See, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad to see somebody agreed because I did see that quite a bit on Twitter yesterday. It's like, well, did the Packers prepare for the wrong quarterback? I'm like, I see a pretty <laughs> similar skill set here. I mean, he I'm, like, well, I'm like, what tape are you watching? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, because I'm like, when did Tyler Huntley turn into Colin Kaepernick? It's like, well, he has had that skill set. I mean, it's just I don't think anybody saw it until until now because it was a it was a national broadcast. Yep. So going into our next segment here, um, we talk about padding for gold. So this is our replacement Packers positives. Um, some players, you know, that might not have gotten some of the attention that deserve some love after the game. Um, I'm going to go with Eric Stokes. Uh, PFF had him as the top graded defender. Um, overall, he's had 50, only allowed 55 yards on his last 21 targets. 
uh, really emerging as a, you know, solid second quarterback, if maybe even a number one cornerback, you know, but just can you imagine what it's going to be like when they get Jire back with Stokes? I mean, that, mm. ooh, that's, that's, uh, that's a spicy meatball. Well, and, and, and with Rasul Douglas's emergence on the other side, that just adds to the, the yeah. case to put Jair in the slot where the Packers have had some issues. Chandon Sullivan has not been great this year. Um, they don't really have a, a dime back. They've been using the Henry Black experiment. They, you know, they basically had Kevin King as the dime guy trying to come in to cover Mark Andrews in that game. So um, Jair's, you know, he's the perfect skill set in terms of his quick twitch ability, his, his ability to close on receivers. Um, I do hope that they, they really look at using him heavily in the slot moving forward when he yep. comes back. But I agree with you. Stokes put some really good tape um, yeah. out there this week. He, he had some really nice technique where he, he has struggled with that this year at times. So his athleticism lets him make up for a lot. But he was a good technique guy in this game, which you haven't seen a ton of. So good job by him. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Uh, Tex, who is your, uh, who's your positive of the game? It's, it's somebody we've ragged on a whole lot this season, but Royce Newman has actually played quietly really well these last two games coming out of the bye week. Um, he has not been getting fooled by the same types of, of cross your face stunts and, and tricks that defensive lines have been eating him up with before the bye. Um, he's been moving some guys in the run game. And I know that the Ravens didn't have Calais Campbell and the bears didn't have Akeem Hicks. And that's a big, uh, big blows for both of those defensive lines, but they're still, those are still solid units that, um, you know, with, with good NFL talent, you know, threw down the, to the lower ends of the roster on both of those teams. And he was not the reason why Rogers was really pressured on any of the three sacks. I think he took against Baltimore. Um, there were some issues with Dennis Kelly on the right side. Um, I think at least two of those sacks were, were coming off of his side off of the edge. So um as much as we have criticized Newman's game this season, uh, it's nice to see him starting to starting to look like he's showing that promise consistently and uh, and not getting fooled the way he was earlier this season. Uh, Paul, your choice. Okay, or, I'm uh, sorry. Go ahead. That's all right. I was Royce uh, is I think just another testament to their coaching on the offensive line. Guys develop and develop quickly, especially in cleaning up sloppy, obvious stuff. Uh, it's very rare to see a Packer offensive lineman. Uh, get beat uh, in a really obvious, ugly way multiple times in multiple weeks. They usually clean that up pretty quickly. It's sort of, I, I like to compare um, their offensive line development to their special teams. Like you have seen every single Packer offensive lineman who's had to come in and take over, uh, get progressively better as the season has gone on. Uh, and that's exactly what you want from your coaching staff when you have to dive a little bit. It's the complete opposite of their special teams, which doesn't improve at all. And if anything, just seems to get worse and have the same mm-hmm. problems over and over again. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway. So, yeah, Adam, yeah. Adam Stenovich is going to be an offensive coordinator next year, whether Nathaniel Hackett leaves or not, I just don't know where, but I think he's, he's in line for a promotion. Yep. Definitely agree with that. Um, and Paul, you're positive for, for my positive, uh, the Packer tight ends, uh, which has not been a strength of this season at all. Um, even when Robert Tanyan was healthy, uh, they don't give tight end production basically ever. Uh, they had a great game as a unit. They had, uh, they caught seven of nine targets, which they almost never do for 88 yards. Uh, and actually had a few highlight worthy catches out there too. Uh, Mercedes Lewis, um, most prominently among them on the great, uh, Rogers play fake, um, but also Tyler Davis, who I just had to turn my head to look up his name, um, who uh, who did a nice job both blocking and with his one reception. Uh, very nice. 
Uh, he is a high RAS guy and um, someone probably worth keeping an eye on um, as an above average athlete uh, who now has some good tape out there. Yeah, that was a beauty of a seam route that he ran. And mm-hmm. Rogers uh, putting that ball up there under pressure quickly, um, reading the reading the defense, knowing that he had the guy. Uh, it looked like they were in too high, I think, on that play. So he had a, a wide open shot to him. Um, great throw, you know, and, and I hope that that's one of those plays. And I think that's one of those plays that can kind of start building confidence between quarterback and receiver, especially yep. for this quarterback with, where that's uh, such an important factor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah definitely that was awesome to see and big dog running yeah. people over is just a blast so always fun. that's always one yeah i mean the, the guy's an ageless wonder i mean he's i, I what that was a under the radar signing but boy has he paid off on the field and off i mean they love him in the locker room that yep. run was massive i mean he just plowed through like four guys like he was like nope <laughs> i'm not going down like he's incredible i love him and then Lindsay, you're, you're positive of the game. Yeah. Um, I think Lazard is, is really coming in to his own, um, as a, as a receiver. And, um, you can tell that Rogers is starting to see a little more in him than he did in previous seasons. He's starting to trust him. And, and that's the biggest thing for Rogers, I think is, um, he's not going to throw to you if he doesn't trust you. And, um, and, and I think, well, of course he did drop the, um, arguably most important <laughs> toss of the game. Um, he, he really did. He has been making really good plays and, um, and Rogers keeps her own to him. So I, I really do think that he's got something, something special and, and we're going to see a lot of good things come from him. It seems like he's getting more and more opportunities with Randall Cobb out as the typical slot guy. Um, And, Mm -hmm. you know, they line him up all over the place, you know, around the line of scrimmage and, you know, certainly his, his blocking in the run game has been key there, but I almost think that you can do more with him. If, if he's your, your slot receiver, Um, you can do more of these, have a little more effective play action game because he can kind of, you know, you have to play off of his, incredible blocking ability and then let him go out and release and and run routes. And that's another way that I think you can uh, scheme up some, some good plays for him, but great catch on that. I think second, third down and that Mm. the second drive um, where he really had to to lay out with a full extension. Um, And, and he's, he's definitely become one of those third down safety valves for Rogers these last few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron made him work in this game. Yeah. 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 He earned his couple catches. Yeah, and I definitely wouldn't wouldn't give him a drop on that one, the first one in the end zone. I mean, that would have been a really tough catch. Yeah. Um, because because both of those two throws up there, um, in that that back corner were a little off target. The second one a little more so. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I just I'm excited to watch him. Um, you know, watch him kind of grow more and and see what what he does for us in the future. Because yeah, I have a good feeling about him. So with Lazard, you know, we had kind of a there was a he had a little bit of a hold your breath Oof. moment. Um, with, with his, with the injury, he landed on his, I think landed on his neck. Um, a little scary there, he ended up coming back into the game. Um, that kind of was a nice segue into our new segment here. So the Packers actually came out of the game fairly healthy. Um, Stokes came up limping a little bit and then they had the Lazard injury. So given where the team has been all year, I'd say that was, uh, probably a win there as well. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. It, 
It feels like a miracle to get out of that without losing a major contributor. Absolute miracle. (laughs) And in a tough physical game against a a tough physical team like Baltimore too. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, everybody was talking about how they were expecting this to be a a really physically taxing game. And so to escape without any clear, obvious injuries is definitely a win Um, on top of getting the W across the NFL this week too. So Um, not that one has any effect on the other, but we saw so many like scary and season ending injuries for a lot of other playoff teams to get out of this yeah. one. Basically, Scott Free is, is a huge win. Yep. Yeah, yeah it was Chris, scary Chris there God- for Chris Godwin. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Chris Godwin. Yeah. Very serious. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater had a very serious yep. injury. Mike Evans ha- is also hurt for the Buccaneers and probably will be impacted for the rest of the year. So um, it's a, a nice spot to be in if you're Green Bay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Parham. Uh, Parham Jr. Yeah, for scary. the for the Chargers on Thursday. Chargers, that yeah. was yeah. Oh, that was scary. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Anytime so we can, anytime we can make it out of a of a game without any major injuries, as when when that happened to Lazard, I was like, oh no. Um, it was. It looked really. It looked painful. Um, but I'm glad that you know, seemingly he he's okay and he got back in the game. So. Yeah, and and some more positive injury notes now. Uh, How close are, you know, Jair, David Bakhtiari, Zadarius Smith? We're three, you know, we got three games left in the season now. How close do we think they are? You know, do you think they're going to want to get them back before the end of the regular season to get them some, uh, get them some reps? Or uh, do you think we're going to, the Packers are going to have to hold on to them until the start of the playoffs, whether it's a wild card or a divisional game? I, I think, um, for Bakhtiari, I just have a feeling like it, it is, you know, obviously fantastic to see him back at practice in any capacity, whether it be limited or, um, I, I think with him, we're going to have to wait a little while longer, um, with Z and, um, uh, Alexander, I think, I don't know. I could see them coming back in, in a couple weeks. So right before season end, I mean, I, at least that's what I'm hoping. Um, and Bakhtiari hopefully could make the postseason. but what do you guys think? Um, I, these are always very hard to tell. Um, yeah. however, you know, getting back to practice is obviously the first step for everybody. Um, and we saw Bakhtiari and Alexander back. My bet, my bet would be that they still play it really cautious with Bakhtiari. Um, he had the most severe injury. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, think about how people were talking about, like, he might start off next season. Like, that was ridiculous. He's, he's still not back. Um, but uh, they've also survived on the offensive line so well without him. It's not like they don't need him. Um, but uh, the offensive line has not come anywhere close to costing them a game. And as long as they feel comfortable getting the one seed without him, I think they'll let him rest as long as he needs to rest. Uh, Alexander, I think that they'll be more comfortable um, projecting forward off of his injury. And so he's more likely to play sooner uh, and could probably benefit from a a game or two before the playoffs anyway. Um, So I would wager he's back somewhat soon. I I wouldn't say next week. He just showed up this week, but uh, I'll bet he'll be back for uh, like two weeks from now. And certainly for the last game, uh, just to get some reps in. That'd be my guess. Zanary Smith, I have no clue on. I I can't can't get a read on that guy at all. Not going to even make a projection on him. Yeah, Paul, I think you yeah, and I are, are pretty well on the same page there. Um, with, with Bach, the, the, the game that you would love to have him back for is this week against Cleveland. 
with Miles Garrett coming in. Um, I think he's at 15, 16 sacks, something, yeah. something ridiculous like that before the, the game that's kicking off in eight minutes um, between the Browns and Raiders this, this Monday afternoon. Um, that's the one you would love to have him back for. Um, but to your point, the line has played remarkably well in the absence of basically all five preferred starters. Um, we're also, let's not forget about Josh Myers might be back in the next couple of weeks too. Um, but I think the race for the one seed I think with that now them sitting in pole position for that top seed and getting that extra potentially getting that extra buy is something that they're, they would really love to get Bach another three weeks just to, to be absolutely a hundred percent and then have another week beyond that uh, to, yeah. to fully rest up and, and just, you know, focus on practice for a couple of weeks that I think is the best case scenario, but um, yeah, I'm with you. I think you'd like to see if Jair, you know, get him some reps in the slot again, and, um, you know, see how he performs there before you, you know, go into a make or break game against, you know, some really good team in the divisional round, hopefully. Yeah, the one the one seed would be critical there. Um, somebody the Packers should at least get back this week. We mentioned earlier, Kenny Clark uh, should clear COVID protocols now, which are now being updated. So a little more. I think these, this was probably overdue. Uh, if you're vaccinated and asymptomatic. Uh, they're probably gonna be a little more lax if I'm understanding that right Tex, I think you've been over this a little more than I have. So can you kind of give us um, a close notes version of what the new protocols are? Yeah. In a short, before they changed the protocols, you had to test positive twice, 24 hours apart before you could come back. Now, more or less, it's one negative test under certain conditions. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, they're thinking that this is going to bring guys back off the, off the list a little sooner. Um, hopefully Kenny, you know, we haven't heard anything about him this week, but he just went on the list on Thursday. So hopefully they'll, uh, you know, we'll get some news in the next couple of days about him, but yeah, certainly missing him was a big loss and, um, you'd love to, to have him and, and the rest of this team ready to go. Gotcha. And then finally to wrap, to wrap up the shore gold rush segment, um, Devonte Adams, another win, won the fan pro bowl vote. Uh, nobody, no other Packer was higher than fifth in fan voting in their category. That was Aaron Rodgers. Uh, rosters will be announced on Wednesday. I don't think Devonte needed the fan vote. Um, big win for him, though. It'll be interesting to see where the which Packers end up on Pro Bowl teams this year. Um, Devondre Campbell absolutely should. Yes, I think if he 100%. if he is yeah. if he yes. is left out, that is uh, that would be almost criminal. Um, but you know you don't have the the numbers aren't there for like an Aaron Jones or an AJ Dillon. Um, Rogers certainly will get in based on the year he's having. It'll probably be Rogers and Brady and you know I don't know somebody else who doesn't matter in the Dak or someone in in the NFC. Yeah. But <laughs> um, you know defensively I don't know. I mean Gary and Preston don't really have the sack numbers. I think Kenny is probably your your other defensive guy beyond Campbell who probably ends up making it. So those, those are my pick for the, the, the four likeliest Packers to actually be, um, you know, on the initial rosters. It's tough if you're a corner, but I won't be that surprised if Razul gets in because of pick sixes and mm-hmm. uh, the exposure mm-hmm. that they bring you. Um, so it's a long shot, but I think he's been good enough and has enough national recognition off of those plays that it's at least possible. And yeah. that, and that pick, you know, the, the pick in the Arizona game, I mean, that's the one that put him on the yeah. map with this team, right. And, and yeah. doing that on national TV against the number one team um, that, that really jumpstarted, I think his potential candidacy and he's ran with it. 
a team a team that he left three weeks <laughs> three weeks prior yeah um yeah yeah that was that was going to be my my guess was um was douglas and campbell for for the defense yeah, and I think Jair would have been on there had he not gotten hurt. Um, he was showing signs of another Pro Bowl caliber year, but oh, obviously yeah. that was that was that was a bummer injury. Um, yeah. And then finally, kind of a more lighthearted note, I put this in cheese curds this morning. Uh, just kind of a fun little story. Um, some Packer fans won Packer tickets um, through the Wisconsin Lottery. They've got Packers themed scratch offs you could send in and um, win tickets on. After the game, they went where they won those tickets from. They spot another scratch off ticket on the way home and won $30,000. I mean, what is it going to take to get the team to get them to travel with them? Cause I think they need that. They might need that luck going forward. Well, at the very least they have some money to buy some ownership stock. So they got that going for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah they- that's really amazing. If they want to share their luck with, you know, with any of us, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, I just, you know, somebody who's naturally unlucky, seeing something like that just uh, just makes me uh, just just blows my mind. Um, but again, <laughs> but um, that that'll do it for this episode of I Love Gold. Um, thank you, Tex, Paul, Lindsay, for joining me. Uh, Tyler should be back next week. This is our last show uh, before Christmas, so uh, happy holidays uh, to Packer Nation out there. Uh, great to get a divisional title uh, to head into Christmas with. And uh, if you're going at the game, be safe, bundle up. Uh, probably gonna be in the mid twenties. Um, other than that, um, that's it. And we'll see you next week. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Bye guys.